Welcome to the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary C-sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after cesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. Today we're chatting with Dana and she is going to share her three birth stories with us. So she had C-sections with her first two babies and then with her third, she had a home birth. So Dana, do you just want to give us a little bit of an introduction? Sure. Um, I'm a mom of three girls, two dogs, wild dogs, and a wonderfully supportive husband. I live in the suburbs of Chicago to crochet. I'm a labor and postpartum doula and a placenta encapsulation specialist um, for about the past seven years. Very cool. If you don't mind giving yourself a little selfless plug, do you have like a a website or are you on Instagram or any social media or anything if anyone listening wants to connect with you? Um, I'm actually currently working on my personal website, but I am... um, affiliated with third coast birth and baby in chicago and i also do placentas for um, cloud nine birth services so awesome thank Thank you you for sharing so yeah if you if you just want to take us to wherever you want to start you go right ahead okay um so with my first pregnancy my now husband and i were dating on and off for about a year and living in Chicago, you know, living it up, working at bars. And it was kind of a surprise. I had a feeling that I was pregnant. It was just like this strange intuition. And I was like, how the heck did I get pregnant? And now I realized that I just did not understand fertility at all. I was like, oh, you know, I just had my period a few days ago. You know, there's no egg there, you know, like just it's fine. So we got pregnant And uh, I kind of woke him up by saying, hey, uh, I'm pregnant. I made an appointment at this place to go get an actual test. Let's go. We hopped on the L L train and went and got tested. And sure enough, I was pregnant. And I feel like typically that would be kind of scary for a lot of people. But I was like, all right, let's do this. What do we do first? And uh, so I just at the time we weren't married. I was a waitress slash bartender, not making very much money. So I got on state aid right away and just saw whatever doctor was closest to me. We were living in a, or I moved, ended up moving in with him within like a month and living in a tiny one bedroom apartment. I didn't really question anything with my doctors. I just kind of went through the motions and did what they told me to do. And then one, once I announced my pregnancy on Facebook, a closer uh, friend of mine reached out and sent me information. And she said, you need to watch this documentary, Business of Being Born. It'll blow your mind. So, of course, I did immediately. And I will say that's what started everything for me. Like, it kind of changed my path. So I ended up switching to a midwife OB practice that was about 45 minutes away from Chicago, but closer to my family. So 
I went there. I loved them. They were great. I had awesome care. I did not understand that you really aren't supposed to eat for two. So I gained about 80 pounds and I'm only five, three. So it kind of, you know, I, I blew up pretty fast and my blood pressure was being monitored. Um, gestational diabetes was being monitored and I luckily didn't have any of that, but it was kind of borderline. And she was measuring ahead by like two to four weeks almost the entire pregnancy, I kind of knew my conception date and I thought, okay, I think my due date should be about May 1st. Well, according to the ultrasounds and everything, they said, no, no, your due date is like April 22nd. So we went with that. And then as the pregnancy progressed, they were like, maybe more like April 15th and they kind of moved it. And then April 15th passed and they changed it back to April 22nd, April 22nd passed by. And, you know, first time mom, I'm like any second now, any day now she's coming. And, um, <laughs> when she didn't come by 40 weeks, you know, typical first time mom is like, Oh, well, what's wrong? What, what's going on? And so at 41 weeks, we, they stripped my membranes, uh, without my knowledge they just said, oh, we're going to stir things up a little bit. Um, it was very painful, not comfortable at all. And I left that appointment. I had some spotting, gorged on some Arby's and went home, <laughs> took a nap. And then I woke up and I was talking on the phone with my girlfriend. My boyfriend had just come home from work and he was starting the shower when I felt it was almost like I heard a pop, but like, it was just this huge gush. And I thought I peed myself at first. And then I was like, Oh wait, I'm going to have to hang up with you. I don't know what's going on. So I rushed into the bathroom and I was like, out of my way. I got to get in the shower. Sure enough. It was definitely my water broke. Um, we called like, a, you know, a good patient. I called my doctor right away. They told me to come in right away. So we packed up and I grabbed a piece of toast and went right in. And when we got there, it was just kind of like, well, I guess we'll just sit here and wait. Um, Were you because having after watching at all? None. I had zero symptoms minus just having my water broke. Like I had no, nothing like no signs of labor. Um, oh, earlier at my appointment that day, he had said I was hard and fully closed, like maybe a dimple dilated. And that was it like nothing. And I was, it was still further back. So really starting at nothing and just sitting around. And since I had watched the business of born, I, or business of being born, and that's really all I like followed. Uh, what is it? Is it birth birth center or the app that they send you updates on like Baby this center? is what you should be doing? Baby center, thank you. <laughs> and um, that's pretty much the extent of my preparation for birth because I figured my grandmothers each had one had six kids, one had seven kids, all naturally ranging from six to ten pound babies. They were petite women. I was like. My mom had th all three of us, no problem. So what, you know, we know how to do this. We're women. 
And so I, I really just left it up to fate. So I was like, I want to go all natural, all natural. So I didn't get anything. I just sat, we walked around maybe after like six to eight hours, I started to get some contractions, but, um, in hindsight, they were really nothing (laughs) compared to what, what it really feels like. Um, I had sat in a tub, got in the shower, sat on a ball, had a peanut ball, all the things. I had a wonderful nurse as my first shift. She was wonderful. And then after that, it was just kind of like, they'd come in, check on me like, oh yeah. Oh, I also had a two page birth plan, very detailed. (laughs) So I'm sure they were like, yeah, yeah, lady. After about 18 hours and only being three centimeters, they suggested Pitocin. So I did that. They also suggested an epidural, which I declined. I said, I can do this. My mom had Pitocin with me and my sisters and didn't get any pain meds and she was fine. So I did that for about another three hours and my blood pressure was through the roof. So they were like, you need something to relax you Um, because Pitocin was quite intense. Um, So I got the epidural and I think I said the F word almost immediately. Like, this is so wonderful. Such a relief. So I took a nap and then my sister came and we played some card games. And then my dad came to say hi on his way home from work. And then my aunt happened to be in town. She stopped by to say hi. Like, it was just like, you know, I'm just sitting there waiting for things to happen. Um, around 36 hours, I was only six centimeters and I also had gotten a fever. So my OB said, Oh, I totally forgot. I was seeing the midwife through my, through the second half of my pregnancy. Once I switched and two weeks before my due date, she took an indefinite leave of absence out of nowhere. And I had never seen the OB, but luckily I loved him. He was great. So he was all on board for me being all, you know, trying to go all natural. And after 36 hours and, and getting a fever, he said, I'm not going to force you to have a C-section, but I think you might, it it might be your best option at this point. So I trusted him and I was like, you know what, this is the best option. Let's do this. So around 37 hours, um, post water breaking, we had the C-section Um, I kept saying during the procedure that I was feeling really nauseous. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. And the anesthesiologist was like, no, no, it's fine. And I was also freezing. I was shaking and they pulled the baby out and they went to show her to me. And I immediately just vomited all over my hair, all over my face. It was stuck in my mouth. And so I'm like, I told you I was going to throw up. So they basically took her back to do all the, you know, newborn procedures while they cleaned me up. And then they just whisked her away. And my husband went with her up to the NICU, I believe not for, because she was in trouble, but just because they wanted to like do all, I don't know what they were doing up there, to be honest, now that I look back, but my husband has pictures of her, like in the little plastic bin and then they took me to recovery and I waited about another like hour. So I didn't see her for almost two hours. 
and they brought her back to me and they bathed her and I tried breastfeeding, which was not natural at all. It was very difficult. She had trouble latching. Um, once we got to our mother baby room, she started, every time I tried to latch her, she would cry and it was painful and she would, she was breathing very fast. So they took her to the NICU for observation and then um, gave her antibiotics just in case and did some tests. And so she was in the NICU for the rest of the stay. Um, luckily the tests came back negative. She was fine, but it was very difficult having to get up every two hours to go to the NICU to try and breastfeed. Breastfeeding wasn't working well. So they gave her formula and then I was pumping after every feed. And once I got home, my husband had to go right to work. He's a union carpenter. So he doesn't get any paid time off and we needed the money. So he went straight back to work. I had my mom, my mother-in-law and um, a couple of my sisters came to help here and there, but it was really rough. I was not prepared for the postpartum part of anything, pumping after every feed, using a nipple shield, just, it was, it was very rough. I felt very unprepared for, for postpartum for sure. Plus recovering from a major <laughs> surgery too. I felt like my incision was going to rip open every time I stood up. It was just like, still to this day, like I, I have certain ways of doing things. Like when I go to the bathroom, I lift my shirt up a certain way. And it's, it's interesting, like the, the habits I formed post C-section. So that was fun. Breastfeeding was definitely a challenge. We eventually got it. I think after five weeks, we kicked the nipple shield. We were still supplementing once a day. Her weight was very, her weight gain was very slow. Still to this day, she's tiny. So, oh, she was nine pounds, 12 ounces as well. But she's a little peanut now. So <laughs> interesting how that happens. So then how long after she was born, did you get pregnant with your second? So... Emmy Lou is my second baby. We found out again by surprise because I didn't understand fertility still 12 months postpartum. It was right after my oldest first birthday. I, again, I told my husband, I was like, I feel like something is growing inside of my uterus. And he was like, what? <laughs> you can't possibly feel something. I'm like, something's going on down there. And I feel like I just, I have a feeling. And sure enough, we were pregnant. I stayed with the same OB because I, I loved them. I just felt very comfortable and at home there. Um, I had a healthy, healthy pregnancy. I knew a little more because, oh, post when my, uh, my oldest was nine months, I took a lactation course to become a breastfeeding peer counselor and just being with those people kind of in the baby birthing network, I just made connections and joined groups and learned all sorts of things. So I kind of felt much more prepared this time. Um, I only gained like 23 pounds totally normal. I felt healthy. I started seeing a chiropractor. I felt wonderful. Um, at 20 weeks, again, just like my first pregnancy, I decided to switch 
to a midwife group that everyone had been raving about, also with an OB that is known for VBAC, being VBAC friendly. So I switched, just followed my gut, even though I loved the people I was with, I just, I just knew I needed to switch. Um, around 32 weeks, I found a doula. Uh, money was tight, but I was like, this seems like a necessity. Like, I just feel like I need someone in my corner. I'm going to be back. I'm going to do this. So I was doing all the things, you know, chiropractic, massage. My doula was also a massage therapist, which was wonderful. And she used me for many of her classes. And had I'm you sorry. always known that you wanted to do a VBAC after your first birth or how did that kind of yeah. come into play? Yeah. It was, I'm very stubborn. I'm very, um, I'm naturally, naturally minded, if that makes sense. Like, it's just, I've always felt like a, a pull to the root of being a human, you know, like, I'm like, this is the way things, this is anthropo anthropologically the way we're supposed to be like, that's always mm -hmm. come easy to me. Um, I've always understood it. So it kind of just fell into place. And I was like, immediately, I knew I wanted to be back. I was making, you know, asking the questions. As soon as I got pregnant again, I was like, am I good? And also, as soon as I watched the business of being born with my first pregnancy, I wanted a home birth. But at the time we lived in such a tiny apartment, we were poor. I was like, I made all the excuses as to why I couldn't, couldn't have a home birth in hindsight. I'm like, Oh, maybe it would have, you know, come out different, but I try not to do that because I wouldn't be where I am and have the knowledge and be able to help other women without having that experience. So mm -hmm. I was doing all the things with the second pregnancy. I started red raspberry leaf tea. I was eating my dates. I was eating healthy. And then around 39 weeks, I slipped at a restaurant. Um, it had been snowing and the front of the restaurant was wet and my toddler was running around and I chased after her and I slipped. I practically did the splits. And I pulled my groin muscle. I spent the night in the ER getting x-rays to make sure I didn't fracture my pelvis and make sure the baby was fine. And um, it was, I like couldn't sit or lay or stand like everything hurt. I just I had pulled everything and I was devastated because I was like, I'm 39 weeks. How am I going to have a V-back with a broken vagina? Like, I just kept saying, my vagina's broken. <laughs> like, I can't relax. Like, everything's tight. So um, I went to a chiropractor and stretched and tried to heal from that. And I was still pretty sore, but around 40, yeah, it was 40 weeks. I was nursing my toddler. She never weaned herself. Um, she just continued to nurse through the pregnancy and I was nursing her to sleep at, I think I was exactly 40 weeks and around 10 30 PM, I felt, I heard a pop in my head. My water didn't break. There was no physical pop, but like in my head, something clicked and I felt a contraction that felt much different. So luckily she had fallen asleep and I just went into the bedroom. I lit some, or the bathroom and I lit some candles and got my 
my ball and was sitting on the ball. I had also, I forgot, I had also started taking hypnobirthing around 32 weeks. So I'd been practicing that. So I got my hypnobirthing book out. I was reading through all the, you know, the day of birth stuff and meditating and relaxing my body. And I was doing pretty good. Once I sat on the toilet, I, you know, TMI, but like the birth poop, you know, the bowels just emptied and I was texting my doula and I was like, yeah, I think, I think this is it. So she's like, well, just keep me posted. Keep, you know, an eye on contractions. So I did that and texted her back, you know, a few hours later saying they're about 10 minutes apart. Then a little while later, I'm like, they're seven minutes apart. She's like, okay, I'm going to start getting ready. Just keep me posted. And then they were five minutes apart. And she's like, okay. And at this point, I didn't really feel like I needed hands-on support yet, which is what I always tell my clients, you know, you're in active labor. If you need hands-on support, everything, you know, yada, yada. And I just still didn't feel like I needed physical support, but they were five minutes apart. So she said, you know what, let's just meet at the hospital on the way there, the contractions were three minutes apart. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have this baby in the car. And we get there. My doula meets us there at the exact same time. And we get up into the triage and they're like, Oh, there are no tub rooms available, which was my whole plan was to labor in this tub. And the tub room was being used by someone else. So immediately I'm, you know, like irritated and they're trying to have me fill out paperwork and answer questions. And I'm just so, so annoyed. I'm like, I'm, can't you see, I'm like having a baby here. So they get me settled into a room that did not have a tub. And the midwife that was on call with the practice happened to be my least favorite of all of them. So I was just kind of feeling, you know, bummed and contractions slowed down and they kind of fizzled out. They were just sporadic after that. And then the tub room became available at the same time. My favorite midwife came on call. So I want to say it was around seven, 7 AM. So things were looking up. I changed rooms. I got in the tub. I was doing my hypnobirthing. I was listening to crashing waves with seagulls and it was beautiful. I was like falling asleep in between contractions and I got to 10 centimeters and the nurse that was on, on whatever, on duty, she happened to be out of the room. And so I looked at my midwife and I was like, uh, am I going to, do you think I can just like have the baby in the tub? And she's like, I don't know. I guess we'll see. (laughs) So we kind of just sat there for a while. I labored more in the tub and then I felt like getting out. Um, The nurse at the time had a a very strong smell of perfume, which my husband says he did not remember any smell, but it was bothering me. My eyes would be closed and I'd be trying to relax. And I knew when she came in the room because I could smell her. So it was very interesting, but um, I decided to get out of the tub we sat on the toilet. We got in the shower. We, oh, when I was in the tub and I was 10 centimeters, I had, I started having involuntary contractions, which I had never felt before. Um, not involuntary, involuntary pushing. Like my body was just like, like dry heaving almost. 
And so we all, I also had a lip. So she had me doing lunges to try and get rid of the lip. And I was, I mean, I was doing all the things we had, they had a birth stool that I had been trying to get on. And when I sat on that birth stool, something happened. Like I got like a, my muscle cramped in my butt cheek, like by your sciatic nerve and like a Charlie horse. It hurt so, so bad. It was the most painful thing up to this point, like that I had ever experienced. And pushing was the only relief that I got, but in between contractions, they would say, try and relax, try and relax. And I'm like, I can't relax. I have a cramp in my butt. It won't go away. <laughs> like it was the worst. It was the worst. I just couldn't relax. And so I got into the bed and they had me doing different positions on my side, on my back, on my knees. And baby was coming. They could see her head, but then she'd go right back up. And my water was bulging and they, they were like, Oh, do you want to feel it? And my midwife was like, no, don't touch it. And like, just as I was about to touch it, it broke everywhere. And there was meconium and, um, tons of fluid. And I continued to push for about three hours and she just wasn't coming. There were some D cells, but nothing you know, alarming. And I was just super tired. And the OB on call, who was not the OB with the practice, had come in and said, you know, I know you really wanted this, but in my opinion, you need to have another C-section. And at that point, I was just so spent and I hadn't slept and I was starving and So I agreed to it. Um, It was a much better C-section. It was gentler. I didn't feel paralyzed afterwards. The first the epidural that I had the first with the first birth was I like couldn't move my legs for the longest time. I did have a hard time staying still in the OR, but once it, once it was administered, I felt wonderful. It was great my midwife came in because I could not sit still during the epidural and I was crying and I was scared and it wasn't what I wanted. And so she just, she was very tall woman. She grabbed me and my face was like in between her breasts. And she was just like, I've got you just relax, hold still. And with her comfort, I was able to, and baby came out and she was beautiful. I was like, she looks just like Bridget. Who's my sister. And it was, she came straight to my chest and she tried nursing like right away. She was crawling for my breast. So it was a a much better experience and a different recovery for sure, but still really rough. Breastfeeding again was terrible, painful latch. Um, I also found out during my lactation peer counseling class that my oldest had a severe lip tie And I had no idea what those were at the time. And so with this one, I knew the signs, I knew what to look for. And for sure she had a lip tie and the ENT came and said, yes, she definitely has a lip tie. They took care of that right away, but still I needed a nipple shield for almost two months. Um, But luckily she gained weight really well and it, it went really well, but I was also nursing now two, two babies. So that was also a challenge, but 
somehow I got through it. I also had postpartum anxiety, postpartum rage, um, intrusive thoughts. So um, I did end up at my six week postpartum visit with my midwife. I was in the middle of changing the baby and I was using cloth diapers because, you know, I really care about the environment and it was very important to me, but I was sobbing. I was just sobbing while changing her diaper into this cloth diaper. And my midwife said, okay, I'm giving you permission right now to go buy disposable diapers, give yourself a break and, and cut yourself some slack, like just go do it, which felt very good. So I did that. So we ended up doing like 50, 50 with the cloth at that point. And I got on Zoloft and everything started to get much better, but it was a rough, it was a rough, um, postpartum, I will say. Sometimes having that validation from someone else can be so like, it just changes the way that you see things because I remember that too, like, I, when I was pregnant, I'm like, I'm going to be this kind of mom. I'm going to do this after baby comes and this, this, and this. And it's like half that stuff I did not end up (laughs) doing. And then you feel so guilty because it's like, well, I know that this is what's best or I know that this is what I wanted to do, but I just can't do it right now. And so I think that's an important thing to bring up is just giving yourself grace. And sometimes it does help to hear someone else say like, it's okay that you're not doing this or it's okay to try something else or even if it's just like temporarily giving yourself some slack i mean yeah there's a lot that goes into being freshly postpartum and breastfeeding and taking care of i mean let one human and then when you already have a toddler at home bringing home a new baby and there's a lot that goes into all of that yeah it was definitely a it was uh like a weight lifted as soon as she said that (laughs) she's Mm -hmm. like just relax just do what you need to do to get through this she also had a wonderful friend who had two young daughters they were 12 and 15 I think come over a few times postpartum and as like a mommy's helper so they came and played with my toddler while I laid down took a nap took a shower and it was like the greatest thing ever. Like, I can't say enough. That's what made me want to become a doula. And because of my doula, who I did not mention, Jean McHenry, who is now a midwife, but she, she was wonderful throughout my entire labor and pregnancy and postpartum. She brought me lactation cookies and she did a wonderful massage in the hospital and came to my house and did a massage um she was just the most supportive she went above and beyond like her call of duty but having the postpartum care was just it's like there's a missing link in women's women's care uh, Mm -hmm. you know after having babies it's like oh the baby's here there you go that's it we'll see you in six weeks and a lot happens between the birth and six weeks. So a lot uh, happens between the birth and three days later. I mean, a six week appointment is not enough follow up after having a baby. And then to be expected too. like, I had my son in the middle of winter. So for our six week appointment, 
we had to bundle up and we had to drive 30 minutes to go to the hospital and it's we live in North Dakota so it's icy and gross outside and like it's not acceptable (laughs) I mean just to put it it January she was born January 27th and during her postpartum I remember there was they called it Chiberia you know Chicago Chi-town it was like the windows were frozen, like everything. It was so cold that people were doing those experiments where they throw dyed water up in the air and it turns into snow. Like Mm -hmm. it was just, it was absurd to be going out with a newborn Mm -hmm. while post C-section as well. You know, it's just. Yeah. Can't hardly even carry the car seat through the hospital to get to your appointment because it's so heavy and trying to recover and. Yeah, and my husband had to go back to work right away again. Um, luckily, I set up my own meal train because I was like, "Well, I know what I need. This is what I need." So it was the best thing ever having a meal train, having people bring food, so I did not have to worry about feeding my family. My husband could come home from work and prepare it, and it was just it was a godsend having that care. And then anytime someone would come over, I'm like, I really need help with X, Y, and Z. Like I was not shy about saying what I needed this time because last time I tried to do all the things and I was a mess. I was still a mess this time too, but it was much, much better. So, but good for you for being willing to say that too because I think sometimes you feel guilty like asking other people for help but as someone who's been through having a baby and being postpartum and all of this stuff like I I ask friends I'm like okay what can I do what can I bring you can I bring you a coffee can I bring you a meal and you still get the oh no we're fine response but I think those of us who have had a baby and experienced that like I want to help so that's super helpful when people will voice like this is what I want (laughs) so I I find that very refreshing I tend to just like when my sister had her um she also had a c-section I went over there and I just did things I Mm -hmm. just cleaned and I you know helped her with breastfeeding and brought her food and I didn't didn't ask what she needed I mean I tried to ask what she needed but of course she was fine everything's no I'm fine I'm fine I don't need anything and I'm like no I'm going to do this anyways. <laughs> so. so then after that birth, were you still like, were you, did you have V back in the back of your head? Still, I or- did. I didn't know if we were going to have another or not. My husband is 10 years older than me. So, you know, he was like, I don't know, like we'll see. And then um, I had seen a different midwife group close to my house just for, you know, regular care, um, pap smears and whatnot. And I mentioned to them, you know, if I did get pregnant again, do you guys take feedbacks? And they were like, Oh, uh, after two C-sections, absolutely not. That is not recommended. That is so dangerous. And, you know, and so immediately I was like, you're fired, never coming back here again, because I know, you know, I had been going to, um, I can meetings and doing my research. So I, I knew all about it. I also became, I started doing placenta encapsulation when my daughter was probably about four months old, my second daughter. 
And then later that year I took doula training. Um, so I was doing my, my homework and I was in the know and about, I guess, four years later, it was 2000 summer of 2018. My husband and I were like, you know what, let's try. This will be the first time we actually were trying let's try. And if it doesn't happen by the end of the year, then we're done. So it was May. We tried and immediately got pregnant. Thank God. Cause I know how hard it is for some people to get pregnant. My sister tried for a year and got pregnant. I was super excited. I didn't feel pregnant though. Like, like I had, I just kind of felt like something was wrong and everybody kept saying, no, no, it's probably just in your head. I wouldn't worry about it. And the, the, the line on the pregnancy test was so faint. So I went into the practice that I had attempted VBAC with my second child and I went back to them. They did a test and they were like, yeah, this is very, very faint. We don't really expect, you know, this to be a permanent pregnancy. And I was like, oh, well, that's a bummer. I, you know, I don't really, I didn't want to believe them. I was like, how can you know? You know, how can you know? It says I'm pregnant. The line says I'm pregnant. So they had me go in for blood work. My levels were within normal range, but at the very bottom of normal. And then the, I think it was maybe three or four days later, I got another blood test and I got the results. Let's see. I ended up getting um, started. I started bleeding and within an hour I got the results that I was basically going to have a miscarriage. The numbers had dropped significantly. So I ended up having a miscarriage on July 1st and I didn't get off the couch for almost two weeks. I was devastated. I think I was six and a half weeks pregnant when I had the miscarriage and then July 14th, my girlfriend convinced me to go out with her to this party and I was dancing and having fun. It was just what I needed to like perk myself up. And the next day my girlfriend had delivered her baby a few days prior. She had me doing her placenta in her home. And that morning, for some reason, my husband and I just felt the need it was just, we just, the mood struck. So we ended up having intercourse and I was like, well, I just had a miscarriage and the midwife said it, you know, I, until I ovulate again, I'm probably unlikely to get pregnant this early. So just whatever threw caution to the wind and sure enough. So July 15th is when we conceived Rayleigh, our third, um, our rainbow baby. I felt different this time and I had the worst, I didn't throw up, but I had all day nausea for the entire first trimester. So I was not worried at all with this pregnancy. It's just interesting how our intuition, like our, our instincts, like we just know things Mm -hmm. as women. So I stayed with the same OB and I loved him. They, I saw a midwife once in the practice. And then they changed their policy um, because they had been bought out by the hospital. So they had to abide by certain policies. 
that I could not see a midwife after having two C-sections, not even for appointments, which I thought was absurd. But um, luckily I loved the OB. He was great, totally relaxed. And then I find out that he is leaving the practice to start his own practice. And it was about an hour away from my house. And I was just not wanting to go all the way out there. So I thought, well, I guess I'll just see what this new OB in the practice is like. So I saw the new OB. And the first thing she said to me upon entering the room was, oh, um, I see that you want to have a VBAC after two C-sections. You know, you have a less than 25% chance of success, right? Just like that. I was like, uh, nice to meet you too. Like, <laughs> me, like she didn't even oh. tell me her name unless I like totally blanked, but like, it was like totally out of left field. And then she was like, oh, and I highly recommend you get the flu shot. And she was just like badgering me. Like, I just felt like she was manhandling me, you know, like, um, I hate that term, but like, I felt like she was just taking charge of me and not hearing me and not listening to me. And I left that appointment in tears. And I called a doula friend of mine who is amazing, Robin Ross. Um, she was also my hypnobirthing instructor with my second baby. And she was the first person I needed to call. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And so she suggested that I maybe look into, um, she gave me a couple recommendations of OBs that I could see, and then also recommended maybe looking into midwife. And since I had two C-sections, I couldn't see um, a CNM at, and have a home birth, at least in my area. So I had to look for CPMs, which in Illinois, it is illegal to have home births with CPMs, which we're hoping that it changed. It just uh, passed just passed the other day to go up to the next level. So hopefully that law will change. But um, so I ended up switching to a midwife, um, a home birth midwife CPM and just knew right away. I just felt this relief of like, this is it. This is what I need to do. Um, my husband wasn't a hundred percent on board, but he knows that I'm, I'm going to do what I'm going to do because I do all the research. So he trusted me. We hired her and it was interesting. Our, our relationship, it was, I somehow it came up uh, the, the number 11, 11, 11. I was like, at one of my appointments with her, she looked down at her phone and she was like, it's 11, 11. And I was like, oh my gosh, I always look at my phone and it says 1111. So throughout our, the rest of my pregnancy, anytime one of us would see 1111, we would screenshot it and send it to each other. And it was just a, a nice, comfortable relationship. I saw my chiropractor throughout my whole pregnancy and did the dates and the red raspberry leaf tea and, oh, gestational diabetes. So before I switched to this home birth midwife, they had me do the one hour test. I failed it. They called me and said, we need you to go as soon as possible to take the three hour. And I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, I don't really want to do that. I have two kids at home and like three hours is a long time to just sit somewhere. So I'd rather just monitor it myself. And they were not on board with that. <laughs> 
Um, the midwives weren't, but I talked to the OB at the time and he was like, that's fine. Just fill out this sheet and with all your, you know, your glucose monitoring and come to appointments with it. And it ended up being fine. I did the same with the midwife once I switched and I had high fasting levels, but everything else was normal. So we just continued, just continued to monitor it. I switched my diet to like a gestational diabetes, you know, diet, um, friendly diet and exercise. I was very active. Also having two kids, I had to be active. Um, the day before my due date was a festival for kids. It was called time for tots. And so I invited my sister and her kids and my mom and we went to this festival and I was walking all day long. And that night I decided to do the mile circuit because I was like, well, I'm just, I'm almost 40 weeks. Let's just see, you know, I'm just going to try this mile circuit thing. And that night I ended up getting some cramping, like kind of like I'm getting my period. And I, started getting some contractions, but they were very irregular. So I tried to get some sleep, but I couldn't sleep. But finally around like 4.30 in the morning, I dozed off. I had been contacting my midwife this whole time. I'm like, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I can't calm down. So I ended up falling asleep, but only for about an hour and a half at like 6am I woke up and I just knew it was time. Um, so I let my whole birth team know my chiropractor who also is a doula part-time said that she would come to my birth. So that was a godsend as well. My friend, Sarah came over to get my dogs because I was like, I don't think I can labor with these crazy dogs all around me. And I wanted my kids to be there in my heart, I wanted them to be there. And sometimes I regret not having them with me, but I was like, you know what? I can't relax right now with them here. My one, my middle child is like a natural, she's an empath. And she was so great during my contractions. She would like be like, breathe mommy. And she'd rub my shoulder and my back and she'd say, it's okay. But then my, my oldest child, not an empath, was like patting me on the back and like trying to help. But like, it was like, I just wanted to swatter. Like, no, <laughs> like, no. So she, my, my friend, Sarah came and laid down with me for a little while in bed while I had some contractions and I was having a lot of fear and it didn't manifest. I, I did do um, hypno babies study throughout my pregnancy Um, I don't know if I did the best job at studying it, but I, you know, I thought I did. (laughs) I like just could not get into it the day of. So my, my friend laid down with me and she was just holding me. She was holding space for me, which was huge. And I just sobbed and I had this huge fear release and she's like, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be exactly as it should be. She also did um, a blessing way for me. Uh, like a week prior to the birth, which was also very fun. It was fun to do the fear releasing and be blessed. So um, anyways, I had a huge fear relief with her. I was a sobbing mess and I just felt like a weight had been lifted 
just by her holding space for me. So she took the kids and the dog and my husband started filling up the tub. We had gotten married in between the second and the third pregnancy. And he was not filling up the tub fast enough for me. (laughs) I was like, I want to get in. So I ended up getting in our bathtub, which is not comfortable. And I was just relaxing. Midwife said, maybe have a glass of wine if you feel up to it. So I was drinking wine. I couldn't, I just couldn't, I just didn't want it. And they just got more intense, more intense. So, oh, I'm forgetting a part. Sorry. After my friend Sarah left, I couldn't relax. So we sat on the couch and tried to watch um, Game of Thrones because the new season was coming out and I just couldn't do that. So that's when I got in the bath. I was like, I just need to go relax. That's a super relaxing choice of show. I I know. I'm like, what was I thinking? (laughs) Um, So after trying to just sit in the tub and relax for a while, I called my doula and she was like, who it was also her daughter's birthday that day. And I felt terrible. So around like one 30, I was, I called her and I was like, I don't feel like I should need you, but I feel like I need you. So she came right away. She was there by like two 30 and my contractions had started to get a lot closer together. I want to say they were between three and four minutes apart when she arrived and the, the midwives were, or the midwife team was on their way as well. Um, but they lived a little further away. So, um, she came and it was amazing. She was just what I needed to relax me. I remember feeling like while I was waiting for the midwives that I was just going to have the baby before they got there. I was just in so much discomfort and felt like out of control. I also had, um, I have a close friend, we call each other sister wives. She's a photographer and she wanted to do photos for me. So we called her as well. So she came over um, right before the midwives arrived. Then the midwives arrived and I immediately asked to get checked because I'm, you know, a curious person. I was seven centimeters, which was amazing because knowing that the first I didn't dilate past six centimeters and the second, um, I did show up to the hospital with my second at seven centimeters. So that was kind of similar, but it was kind of a time warp after that. I I just labored for a while in the tub. Then I got too hot. So I went to my room and I squatted in the doorway. My, my girls have uh, a gorilla gym. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm -mm. Um, it's a, it's almost like a pull-up bar looking thing that hangs in the doorway, but it has hooks and you can connect a swing to it or a rope or a ladder or a yoga silks or anything really. Um, so I had my yoga silks and that it had, um, handles. So I would squat in their doorway while holding the handles, which was super helpful. I highly recommend it. Uh, anything like that. If you're laboring at home, it was very helpful. And I walked around and then I sat on the toilet because my midwife made me and I didn't want to. It was the worst. I hated sitting on the toilet. Some people love it and I just hated it. Then we got back in the tub. I remember coming out of the bathroom from sitting on the toilet and another woman was in my living room. And I was like, who is this person? But I didn't much, I didn't really care at the time. I was like, Hey, welcome to the party. Um, but it ended up being 
a student midwife and she needed one more birth in order to be able to take her final tests. And my midwife did tell me that she was going to be there, but I had completely forgotten. And in labor, I was just like, Hey, stranger. So her, um, her name was Sasha. She was wonderful. And I remember needing to slow dance through a lot of my contractions and my husband would naturally like try to come to me when I was needing somebody and I like swatted him away and I wanted my friend Ashley who was my photographer because she's super tall my husband's kind of on the shorter side as am I so I just needed that like height to hang on and something about her smell felt comforting but I felt really bad <laughs> about swatting my husband away so at some point I got back in the tub my husband got in the tub and I was shaking my head, no, like I would just say, no, no, no. And everybody in the room would say, yes, yes, yes. They're like, remember to be positive, you know? So I'm like remembering my hypno babies and my hypno birthing and my affirmations that I had all over the wall. And so I would try and change my mindset. And then I began involuntary bearing, uh, involuntarily bearing down just like um, my second birth. And at some point in the tub, my water broke. I felt a pop and saw like a cloud of fluid come out. And every time I pushed, just like every time I was bearing down, just like my second, I got a Charlie horse in my sciatic nerve again, like my side of my butt, like my right hip. And it was the worst pain ever. And I don't, I don't still to the States, a mystery as to why this is happening. It must be the placement of my babies and my nerve. And so my, my chiropractor uh, slash doula, Melissa was massaging it with Arnica and digging her knuckles into it. I had a million bruises <laughs> after, and I found something that finally worked, but it, it was the most silliest <laughs> thing ever. I would say, Jiggle, 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 jiggle. <laughs> when I needed her to jiggle my butt, like she was literally just grabbing my butt and jiggling it as hard as she could. And I was like, jiggle, 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 <laughs> just to get through it. It was it's like shaking the apple tree. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh my God, get rid of it. And then um, I was pushing in the tub for a long time, but I didn't feel grounded. I had throughout doing my, um, my hypno babies and meditations, they have you visualize your birth. And I always visualized it at sunset, sunset coming in through the window and I'm in the tub and I pull the baby out of me. And it was just this most peaceful, blissful thing. Well, I like did not, the tub was just not my thing. I, I was comforted by it at first, but then like, I just couldn't, I didn't feel grounded. Like I couldn't get my footing so, um, we ended up going to my girl's bedroom. She, they have a firmer mattress and my chiropractor doula had, she did like a side sideline release, like hip opener reliever to try and, you know, open up my pelvis and help with that Charlie horse and work the baby down a little more. Then I remember trying to push in my bedroom on my bed but I said, it's, it felt like effing quicksand is what I said. God, I feel like I'm in quicksand and it was so hot. And we had 
it was April. So it was still cold in Chicago area. And so we had the plastic on all our windows and I was like, rip it off, open the windows. I'm so hot. So they like opened up all the windows. Of course, I'm sure the neighbors were like, what is happening in that house? So at some point I got on the floor in my bedroom and there's like not a lot of room on the floor, but somehow everybody managed to like surround me and comfort me and, you know, help me. And I got something happened and I was, I, it was almost like I got irritated and I was like, this is it. I'm done doing this. Like I got up, didn't say anything to anybody. And I waddled to my girl's bedroom and I grabbed hold of those handles in their, the gorilla gym handles. And I squatted as deep as I could. And I was like, let's meet baby. Like it's time. And I like bared down with everything that I had and everybody just kind of followed me. And my photographer friend had to jump over me in order to get a good shot of like the crowning and um, that ring of fire. Definitely. I understand what everybody says now about the ring of fire, but it kind of just went into like instinct mode at that point. I think that's what happened. It just, my survival instincts kicked in and I was like, let's go get this baby out because there really is no other option at this point besides going to the hospital. So she was crowning and they were giving me support. My husband and my doula were giving me support through every single contraction. The only thing that made me feel grounded was someone holding my forehead and the back of my head and shaking it back and forth saying yes to me. Um, and my husband doing hip squeezes through every single contraction for, I don't know how long it was a complete time warp, but I fell to my hands and knees and I pushed so hard. Um, and after that ring of fire, her head came out and my midwife was like, lift your, lift your right leg. And I don't really know if I actually heard her, and I didn't know which leg was what, which leg was which at that point. I'm like, you know, I don't know what to do at this point. So my doula grabbed my, my right knee and like flung it up and the baby just seemed to like slide out after that. So thank God there was no, you know, shoulder dystocia or any, any, you know, thing about baby getting stuck. Cause I was kind of worried. That was one of my fears. And Sasha, the student midwife, helped me guide her out onto the floor of my children's doorway, which happens to be like the messiest part of our our house because it's by the back door where the dogs come in and out and everybody takes off their shoes. I'm like, really? This is the place I chose to have my baby? Not how I envisioned it at all. I was so exhausted that I was like, Vince, you take her you take her. And everyone was like, she's attached to you still. You have to take her. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. So they like helped me get her up. And um, I picked her up and I remember looking at my doula, Melissa, and her face was so big and she had tears streaming down her face. And she was like, you did it. I was like, so I was still shocked. It's like, I didn't feel like that that initial, like I did it moment. I was just like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. Like I just need to lay down. So, and luckily my friend Ashley had gotten a really beautiful photo 
of me holding her and laughing. I don't remember what I was laughing at, but I just looked so happy in the moment. I was just like, she came out of my vagina. Guys, like, how does that even happen? And I see it happen all the time as a doula, but like happening to me was like mind blown. It's definitely different after having the C-section birth experiences than having a baby come out of your vagina is like the most incredible. I mean, it's the most incredible thing always, but it just, it's, I think it just has a different meaning after having the C-sections. To know that it didn't work, you know, I thought my body was broken. I thought my babies were too big for my pelvis, which is what I was told once um, by a midwife after my second, well, it's possible your, you know, your pelvis just isn't designed to birth your babies. And I'm like, I don't believe that for a second. I just don't like in my gut, I didn't believe it, but it was a fear of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was surreal. They laid me down to deliver the placenta and do skin to skin. Um, and after the placenta came out, Vince took her to do skin to skin. He like immediately ripped off his shirt. He was like, so ready. He was in tears. Like the whole room was in tears. And we, I like waddled, waddled back to my bedroom with all the cloths in between my legs to get assessed and just relax. And they were like, do you want us to weigh her? And I was like, yes. So everybody had their guesses. And I was like, I think she's going to be like eight something. Like I was convinced during my whole pregnancy that she was going to be my smallest. And she ended up being 10 pounds, eight ounces. Wow. So my biggest, my first was nine twelve, My second was nine three. And Rayleigh was 10 pounds, eight ounces. So I was like, right there oh is the my proof God. that the whole big baby thing is crap. Money. Yes. <laughs> Bullshit. And mm-hmm. that whole, like, you know, you only have a 25% chance of success, right? Like, well, I guess that I'm in the 25%, mm-hmm. but I don't like that statistic at all. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was on a, a birthing high for a while and I was just laughing and, I was really swearing like a sailor too. Like looking back, I was like, why was I cussing so much? Like, I don't understand why I was like, I effing did it. Um, so adrenaline maybe. Yeah. (laughs) And I ended up having a second degree tear, um, and hematomas and hemorrhoids. (laughs) I was a mangled mess down there. I'm not going to lie. I remember my, I gave, I wanted my husband to like be next to me and hold my hand while I was getting stitched up. So my friend, Ashley, my sister wife, um, I say she imprinted on my baby. (laughs) She held her and got pooped on her. Her (laughs) poop was all over Ashley's belly. But I remember seeing my husband's face when he didn't know that anybody was looking at him. He was watching me get stitched up and the look on his face was like this look of like, oh my God. <laughs> That's <laughs> what you're not supposed to watch that, that part. <laughs> and like I kind of in hindsight wish I would have looked, even though my mid was my midwife was like, do not look at it. And I was like, well, but I'm not easily grossed out by things. And she's like, don't look at it. Don't. 
but um yeah it was a rough it was a it was a rough recovery as well because of the terror and the hematomas i was on bed rest um because they were pretty large and um so it it was still rough but it was a different kind of recovery um i would definitely choose that any day over a c-section for sure but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a walk in the park. I've, I've attended many home births where the mother is just up and walking around and going to the bathroom and eating and just like totally fine. And like, why, why isn't that for me? But I mean, she was 10 and a half pounds and it was like a first, it was like a first time delivery. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but it was incredible. And I, think about it all the time and I'm like I did that that's That's awesome awesome. (laughs) it is awesome that is and my whole team it was just like the dream team you know everything was just amazing and I felt so supported and loved and believed in which was huge I just I really think that that's the key at least for me the key was having a supportive team and a comfortable, safe environment. And that was my house. Anything else that you can think of that you would want women to know that are either weighing their options or maybe contemplating having a home birth? I mean, you just said a lot, (laughs) but anything else that you can think of just that you want to add from what you've learned in your journeys or even as a doula? I would say to always listen to that voice inside of you. Even if your, your head's like, oh, I don't know, that's not practical. Like if your gut like is telling you that this is the right thing. Oh, oh my gosh. I forgot the, the coolest part of this whole thing. She was born on her due date at 11, 11 PM. Oh my gosh. I know. I was that like, super my cool. midwife and I went, they were like, what she turned to the the assistant and said what time is it and she said 11 11 and I was like no way we just looked at each other like that's insane because my whole pregnancy we had been texting each other 11 11 that is super cool that's just like a cherry on top of everything else that happened like a super super cool side story and she was born on April 7th which is 4 7 which also equals 11 oh my god That is super cool. My fiery Aries, and she's two now, and she is definitely a spitfire. She is never slows down this kid, but she was meant to be in this world for sure. And I was very upset about having the miscarriage, but I'm I just feel like she was meant to be here. So um, but yeah, trusting your instincts, trusting your gut, having supportive people. And I also was very, very careful with who I told about my home birth. I didn't even tell my parents. I told my sister or both my sisters and a couple of my close friends. And that was it. I told my mom maybe the day before and I didn't tell her until 2 a.m. that she was born. (laughs) I love my parents, but they just are worrywarts and they're very into, you know, the traditional way of doing things usually. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to hear their fears. I don't want to hear what they have to say. They may be supportive, but I, I don't feel like they need to know. So I feel like just 
keeping your plans to yourself if if they're not within the traditional norm of the people around you um, can be very helpful and it's kind of like keeping keeping yourself safe yeah protecting I, I just space. found that to be helpful kind yeah. of protecting my my space yeah so I kind of with my first baby kind of like just threw everything out there on Facebook about every little thing that was happening with my pregnancy and my body and my birth and oh it's time I'm going to the hospital you know so it's this time I was very private and it just felt better knowing that there weren't tons of people like waiting on the clock you know for me to have this baby so protect your space trust your gut trust your body love it well thank you for sharing all of your stories that was wonderful to listen to and I appreciate it thank you so much for having me Thank you for listening to another episode of the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, send us an email at hbacpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.